Hello and welcome back to our devotions on the Psalms. Well, first of all, wishing all Singaporeans a blessed uh, National Day, um, a good time of rest or celebration or just thanking God for His presence with us in our nation as we celebrate our National Day. Today I want to finish off this brief series of uh, Psalm 140 to Psalm 143. Remember that this was these psalms are written when um, David was being pursued by Saul, and as he cried out to God, some of the things that he held dear, he remembered to pray, remembered to turn to God. But more than that, he realized that his conduct had to be um, consistent with his being a child of God, and therefore, though he was tempted often to take revenge, to speak evil of Saul. He asked that God would seal his lips, cause him to continue to walk in right ways, even when wrong was being done to him. Today we want to talk a little differently about when, when David was deeply hurt by what Saul was doing. And so let's read Psalm 143. Let us pray first. Father, King David, man after your own heart, servant who loved you. And God, even in his dealings with brokenness, with depression, with hurts inflicted by king whom he respected and admired, God, he continued to pour out his heart and his soul to you. Teach us then, Lord, as we learn from this psalm, that you cause us also to be like David, a person so close to your heart, trusting you in all things. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 143 Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore my spirit faints within me, my heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old, I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you, my soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord, I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life in your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love you will cut off my enemies, and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul, for I am your servant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the previous two Psalms, we talked largely about David being pursued physically, that his life was in trouble. Well, the first time it was, the second time he was being slandered, and so it was more than his life. His reputation was being uh, destroyed. But basically, it was a physical pursuit. Today, however, we want to look at 
the psalmist's mental emotional state. Because it was just not just simply that Saul was seeking to destroy his life. Saul was seeking to destroy his soul, his hope. And we read that very poignantly in verse 3 and 4. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. No longer is David simply being pursued physically. His physical life wasn't the only thing in trouble. Rather, being pursued by Paul, by Saul, King Saul, someone whom he admired so much, someone whom he served faithfully. Remember from the start, David had killed Goliath at the command, at the orders of King Saul. And he did it for the king and for the nation. David was also the summit, the singer, the harpist, who brought so much peace to Saul. He was in many ways like a son to Saul. And yet now King Saul was pursuing him to put him to death. More than just dying physically, he was dying emotionally. Deep inside him, his soul was being crushed. Have you ever had an experience like this? Whether it is a end of a relationship, a betrayal by someone you trust, could be a death of someone you truly loved, or could be a failure in your work, failure in your relationships, failure in your studies, where your soul feels destroyed, a soul-destroying incident, and where hope of happiness is crushed, even if it were simply a, a failure in a major exam. You feel as though all prospects of your happiness no longer exist. Could also be in a situation where there is no happy ending or there seems to be no happy ending in the horizon. You feel very stuck and you cannot see how there can be happiness to you, for you. It's as though your life has been crushed, that you sit in darkness, that there will be years, there will be a long time of darkness for you because you cannot see light, where your spirit then faints because you cannot see any hope. Have you ever felt that way? I have several occasions where, whether it was the loss of my ministry, where I saw no hope in being a pastor, or where I failed in major exam and couldn't see a future for myself, Various situations I have felt like my spirit was faint because I could not see any light. You may have gone through such a situation, an illness of yours or a loved one, or something that takes you down because you cannot see any hope anymore. What then does David do? First, he says in verse 2, Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. He acknowledges and he remembers that God does not punish those people simply because they're sinners. That the hardships that he's going through is not because God has forsaken him, not because God is whipping him, God is punishing him. That God is a God even for sinners, that God is merciful to sinners. 
He says, For no one living is righteous before you. I am not righteous, and yet I turn to you for mercy. He says, Do not judge me. You know, one of the most crushing things is when we believe that the hardships we go through is because God has judged you. And indeed, it may seem that way because often our failures may be caused by our own sin, our own indiscretion, our own wrongdoing. I ministered for many years with those who had been convicted of capital cases, and it seems as though their execution, their impending execution, has to do with God's judgment. Reality is that that is not true. There may be consequences, national, natural consequences to what we do. You don't study hard enough for exams, you fail your exams. You behave badly to someone and you break a relationship. You do not take care of your health and you fall gravely ill. These are natural consequences to your illness, but it does not mean that God is angry with you, nor does it mean that God has judged you and is out to punish you. You need to remember this truth. That even in the worst of situations, God is there to redeem. The ones whom I ministered to in death row eventually found out that God would redeem them even when they had to be executed. That they knew they experienced the joy of God's presence that was not a consolation prize, but often was the climax of their entire lives. God is not done with you. That even in the worst of cases, God does not judge you. You know, it's really very crushing when we think that our problems are a result of God's judgment of us. Many people will tell us that, well, serves you right. Why did you do this? Why didn't you take care of yourself? Why didn't you become more careful? Why were you not a better person? You deserved this. God is bringing it down upon you. Never allow people to bring that upon you. Remember that God is a God for sinners and His mercy endures always, regardless of whether you did it right or you did it wrong. God is there to help you. I can't emphasize this any more, more than this. You have to learn it yourself, that in the midst, in the depth of your sadness, of your brokenness, God is there for you. And God will hold your hand. God will journey with you. God loves you very much still. He never deserts you. The second thing that the psalmist did was to remember the days of old. Remember the times when God had been a help to him. David constantly remembered how a lion and a bear attacked him. And he killed them both. As a shepherd, he protected, he risked his life and God delivered him. He remembered how he fought against Goliath, man many times his size, more powerful with all his armour and military training. And how David, just with a slingshot and a stone, killed Goliath and defeated the Philistine army. He could remember these things because God was with him. There were many other miracles in his life that he remembered. You know, especially for those who are older, 50s and above, you might have had a whole history of God being with you, God making all things right in its time. Take some time to remember these. 
even in your distress, because he is the same God. And then he says, I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the works of your hands. Stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. It is at times like these that we realize that the deeper problem is not with our loss in our stuck situation, in our desperate situation. A deeper need is our cry for communion with God again. And this is especially true when we have walked away from God, what they call backslided. We may have walked away from God and we may have done things that were wrong and that resulted in the catastrophe, the stuckness that we feel. Solution, the problem is not about God punishing us, but it brings out that deep hunger for something more, not just a solution to our problem, but a desperate longing for God. And that's important. Remember the psalm that says, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs and pants after you. It brings out that long lost, long suppressed desire for God. Let that come alive. And then the psalmist also says, I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. It's no longer just about what he has done for the psalmist, but he thinks about the things that God has done, recorded in the Bible, in history. One of the things then that draws us to God is to remind ourselves, to remember that he is a good God, he's a faithful God. We can think about the miracles that God did, but more than that, the mercy of Jesus, how Jesus turned to the sinners, how he looked at Zacchaeus, whom everyone had rejected, seeing what he had done to people, and how Jesus looked at him and said, today I will go to your house. How the parable that Jesus talked about, a man, publican, tax collector who cried to God and said, have mercy on me, and said that this man is far more justified than the Pharisee who claimed he had done everything right. Reminds you that God is a God of the broken, of the sinful, of the ones who do not deserve goodness. Remember these stories. But remember also the miracles that God did in the past. How people who were in desperate straits turned to him and he made things beautiful for them. You know, sometimes it's hard when you are in great pain and when your soul has been crushed to remember these things. It's interesting that this came as a psalm, as a song, poem written by David. It was not a list of theological um, truths, of doctrine. The psalmist did not write, now, one, number one, remember this, number two, remember that. Rather, he created, he composed a song and he sang to himself and to God. One of the things you could do is to compose songs, but a much easier way is to remember some of the, and to sing some of the songs that you sang in your youth, you sang before, or you are still singing. Songs minister deeply to us. They bring truths into our lives that um, we may forget in our times of distress. And so I want to sing again this very familiar song, Steadfast Love of the Lord. It's found in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. And I want to read that, that, um, 
that portion of the Bible first because it tells us again that God cares for those even when they brought trouble upon themselves. In Lamentations 3, it was God who brought the army, the enemies, to destroy Jerusalem because they sinned so much. But in this, in the ruins of Jerusalem, Jeremiah the prophet remembered this and he says, But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. As he remembered the truth of this, he had hope. So when we remember this to this saying that God, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, gives us hope. So this song. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Sing. Sing songs. Don't just play them on uh, YouTube or whatever. But sing them with the singer. Sing them because they remind you of the truths of God. Finally then, as Psalmist begins at hope again, he tells God, God, teach me to do your will. Let your good spirit lead me. Which actually hints at the point, the fact that perhaps the Psalmist had not been walking in God's ways either. He was a man after God's heart. Doesn't mean that he always walked in God's ways. But now that he had been brought down, he feels that he on his own he has nothing to guide him, nothing that he would do right. So he calls out to God, God, then you lead me. God, then you take over my journey. God, I surrender myself, surrender my directions to you. Because you alone can lead me. You alone can keep me safe. Depression, brokenness of the spirit are a terrible thing. Sometimes worse than physical death. But there is hope for each one who goes through that. There is hope realizing the truth that God is not punishing you, that God draws, come, is watching over you lovingly, that God will come to you when you call out to Him. There is hope when you think of all that God had done for you in the past to remind you that God will continue to watch over you in the present. There is hope when you think about records of God, God's mercy, God's power, God's deliverance. When that evades you, that, that escapes you because you, your, mind is all, your, your mind is all clouded by the problems you face, sing, 
and allow the words of the songs to remind you of God's goodness. May the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Father, there are too many circumstances where we feel helpless, we feel stuck. We feel like there is no hope of happiness for us. Where our spirits are crushed, our soul is destroyed. And yet, God, yet you come to us. Yet you give us hope because you are God of the helpless. You are God even of the sinners. I pray for each one who goes through such pain. They may find you a far, as a father and a friend, not as a judgmental God, judgmental person, but as someone who lovingly wants to walk with us in our brokenness. Come, Lord, come to comfort each one, their pain, in their sadness, in their stuckness, that they may find hope again and know that there is life because you walk with us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then, enjoy your holiday and rest of the week. God bless you. Goodbye. Oh, by the way, uh, I'll be doing the podcast on Thursday because Pastor Jason's still on paternity leave, so there will be devotions on Thursday as well. Well, God bless you. Goodbye.